Last week, if you uh, participated in worship with us, whether it be online or here at, the, here at the farm, you'll remember that I suggested that there are a lot of misconceptions or myths that we human beings oftentimes cling to our whole lives. Well, this week I thought of another one. Uh, a myth that um, people believed back in the 70s, probably before that, but uh, I experienced it back in the 70s. A myth that made me miserable. And this is what it was. First of all, I, I, I loved playing football when I was in high school, but there was part about uh, high school football that I actually, actually just despised. And that was two-a-day practices during weather like this. All right? We'd go out two times a day, and it would be hot and miserable. I just hated it. But what made it even more miserable was that back in the 70s, where's Dennis at? Are you, where's Dennis at? Are you in the car? Look at him sitting in his car over there. Dennis, just wave your hand or honk your horn if this happened to you. When, when back in the 70s, now I'm a lot older than you, I know that. But back in the 70s, when you were playing football, <laughs> did, they, did your coaches give you salt tablets to help you through the practice? That's what I think. Okay, so back in the 70s, what would happen is, if you were, they, coaches would give their athletes salt tablets in the, hope that it, or in the belief that it would cause you to retain water and thus slow down the uh, dehydration process. Now, here's, here's the truth. The truth is, taking salt tablets in the middle of heat like this is the stupidest thing anybody could possibly do. Because not only does it not help you to not dehydrate, it actually causes the process to occur faster. And then you get nauseous and possibly diarrhea. You didn't think you'd hear the pastor talk about diarrhea today, did you? Now, that didn't even draw a honk from you, Dennis. Come on. There we go. All right. As you can imagine, coaches do not hand out salt tablets anymore. Good thing. Now, as I said and alluded to, there are a lot of things that we as, as um, human beings, myths or misconceptions that we human beings cling to all the time. Many of them make us miserable. And often, some of the myths that we cling to are myths that we think are actually supported by the Bible. Well, the next uh, few weeks, I'm going to share with you some myths that many of you may think are in the Bible that have probably been making you miserable. Um, and I'm going to hopefully expose what those myths are, those misconceptions, what they are. And I'm going to hopefully um, speak some truth into your life that will help bring joy instead of misery, okay? Uh, the, the myth for today is probably one that you've all heard before, and that is God helps those that help themselves. Did you know that that's a myth? It is. Now, some people say, no way, pastor, that sounds like a good thing. Uh, it sounds very noble, it sounds kind of righteous, and it sounds pretty biblical, right? God helps those that help themselves. But I'm going to tell you that you will not find that philosophy, I wanted to say verse, but I didn't want to confuse you. You will not find that philosophy that God helps those who help themselves in the Bible. Um, now you might say, well, if it's not in the Bible, where did it come from? Well, as I understand it, that the idea or the philosophy, God helps those that help themselves, start all the way back. They've traced the roots all the way back to the 1600s, but it was in, uh, it was because of 
of uh, Benjamin Franklin that it's become kind of a, uh, a catchphrase for us here in America, especially. One of Ben Franklin's favorite sayings was, God helps those that help themselves. And it really, if you think about it, it kind of fits right into the uh, American idealism. It sounds, like, it sounds like a good work ethic and it, it sounds like uh, uh, self-reliance. And, and we love that stuff as Americans. That's kind of what America is built on, right? But the fact of the matter is that as good as that, that, the, the idea behind that philosophy may be, it's also very, very dangerous. Because if you, if you allow yourself to kind of fall into what is being implied, you'll discover that eventually you become miserable because of it. Because the idea, God helps those that help themselves, um, kind of plays right into something that we human beings have wrestled with for eons. And that's a concept or a theology called works righteousness. Now, you've you probably heard that term before. I preached on it many times before. So what is works righteousness? Works righteousness, if you were to boil it down, basically uh, means that uh, it's my responsibility to earn my way to heaven. My good works are what make me worthy of God's love. Well, that, then nothing could be further from the truth. You all know that when we hear it that way, we know that, that I can't earn God's love. God's love is a free gift given to us uh, simply because he loves us and it's unconditional. God will never stop loving you and he couldn't love you any more than what he already does, regardless of how sinful or imperfect you may be. God loves you. Now, if you, have, if you have bought into the concept of works righteousness, that somehow it's your responsibility to make your own breaks and that God will bless you if you just work hard enough or that God will uh, accept you into heaven because you just work hard enough or you're a good enough person, if you buy into that philosophy, what you soon discover is that the closer you get to what you perceive to be your goal, the more miserable you become. Why? Because the closer you get to what you perceive to be your goal, which is righteousness or, or acceptable, being acceptable in the eyes of God, the closer you get to that, the more you will discover how far away you are. It's kind of like, imagine getting closer and closer to the light. And the closer you get to the light, the more the darkness is exposed. The dark corners and crevices that are exposed. So the more you try to be the good person that you think God wants you to be so that you can earn God's love and you can earn your salvation, the more miserable you will become. So what happens is one of two things, either you become more miserable or the idea that that desire to be, to work your way to heaven or into God's love will cause you, lead you to another sin, which is um, comparing yourself to other people. You say, like, well, I look at Ryan and I go, well, I may not be perfect, but I'm certainly more perfect than Ryan is. Somebody say amen to that. Honk your horns. Thank you. Sorry, Ryan. You see what I'm getting at? That, that um, when you, when, when, okay, because I can't be perfect in comparison to God, you just change the goalpost a little bit. And, and I'm telling you right now, the people who find themselves uh, trying to live in comparison to other people, you're going to be the most miserable people of all. Because guess what? 
No matter how good you may think you are, there will always be somebody who's just a little smarter, who works just a little bit harder, who's just a little more holy than you are. And you go, shoot! Or something like that. It doesn't work. Trying to live into that will make you miserable. So if that's not the plan, if that's not God, what God would have us live into, what would God live, have us live into? What does God have to say about this? Well, um, there's, God says a lot about this, by the way, but I'm going to point you in particular to this verse, Philippians 4.13. Um, and it says this. This is the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the way. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says in Philippians 4.13, he says, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I emphasize those words because you need to make sure you understand something. I, I do have the ability to do anything, literally. If it's Christ that's working through me. You see, what, what the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was trying to say to us is that um, the biggest sin that's going to make you miserable is being self-centered. Thinking it's all about you. If you, can, if you can remember that God's plan for us is to, to take your eyes off navel-gazing and instead fix your eyes on Jesus, it changes everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have, the, I have the, the power and the authority to accomplish great things. Not on my own, but through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about us. It's about Him. When you make it about Him, you get these, this stuff just flowing back on you, blowing back on you, that will replace the misery and fill you with joy. But as long as you're doing a lot of navel-gazing, thinking it's all about you and, and your happiness and what you do and what you don't do, you will be miserable. It's that simple. I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second because I think uh, I need to speak a little reality into this uh, idealism that I've just been spraying, uh, spraying to you. <laughs> That's why we do social distancing in church, because the pastor spits when he preaches. Um, here's what I perceive to be the truth. Especially on this 4th of July weekend, when I look at everything that's going on in our culture and in our society, I believe that our, our culture, our society could do with a little more work ethic. Because what I fear has happened, what I fear has happened is that we have, uh, that a lot of us, if not a majority of Americans now, we've bought into an entitlement mentality. We believe that, that we deserve things just because we are. We believe that um, that we shouldn't have to work hard and sacrifice for things of value, that they should just be given to us. And I'm telling you right now, this is just my opinion. You can disagree with me if you want. But I'm of the opinion that that entitlement mentality 
will be the death knell of our society. That's what I believe. That it's like a thread that, that is being pulled. And as soon as we get to a point where the vast majority of people believe that they're entitled, we're in big trouble as a culture. Now some of you are sitting back saying, wait a minute, sound like to me you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, preacher. I thought you just got done saying we got to be careful of works righteousness and now you're telling we got to have work hard and I'm confused. Listen to me. If you thought that what I was, when I was talking about works righteousness meant that, that God didn't intend for us to work hard, um, I apologize because apparently I wasn't articulating very well. Because the truth of the matter is, when I talk about the, the, the worries of, of works righteousness, uh, I, I'm not, and certainly God's not, talking about not working hard. In fact, if you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it, Paul himself, again, inspired, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul says, those that refuse to work, neither shall they eat. What do you think about that? Kind of scary. The Bible is not filled with an entitlement mentality. In fact, we have the greatest responsibility of all. And that responsibility is to receive a gift. Not an entitlement, a gift. The gift of freedom, the gift of salvation, the gift of being heaven bound is that it's a gift. It is not an entitlement. It was one of the most expensive things that, that could be purchased and it needed to be purchased. It cost God his son to die on the cross and rise again on the third day so that he might have the freedom to offer you freedom. Do you see that? And it's your responsibility to receive that free gift. You know, I hear people say all the time, I, I can't believe in a God that would send anybody to hell. Guess what? God never sent one person to God. You know what John chapter 3 says? You, know, you love quoting John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. You know what verse 17 says? It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but our, and then verse 18 says, but our unbelief, in our unbelief, we condemn ourselves. Whew. God never sent one person to hell. We do that ourselves. Because we have freedom. We have freedom. We have the freedom to invite Jesus into our heart to be our Savior, Yes. Just as importantly, to be our Lord. And when we invite Jesus into our heart to be our Savior and our Lord, that's where Philippians 4.13 comes in, right? For then I can do all things through Christ. Him working through me. Through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who loves me. I wonder if there's anybody here today that has been making themselves miserable for years believing that somehow it was your responsibility to make your own breaks in life, to earn your right to go to heaven, to do, be righteous enough to have God even love you. 
if you've been made miserable trying to achieve those myths, it's time to stop. It's time to embrace the truth that your only responsibility is to receive this gift that's already been paid. And then instead of trying to earn it, you live into it as a response to it. And it changes everything. I'm going to be standing right over here. If there's anybody that would like to pray that prayer, a prayer of salvation and lordship today, I'm going to be standing right over here underneath the tree. Uh, if there's anybody else that, maybe you just need a prayer today. If you need, if you need a prayer, I would be honored to pray with anybody um, this morning. Um, knowing that we have that freedom too. That no matter what, no matter what the circumstance of life, we are free. We are beckoned. We are encouraged to come and receive all this goodness and this, this freedom from our Jesus. As the band is singing our, our closing uh, song in praise of Jesus this morning, if you'd like to pray with me, I'll be right over here.